It's my privilege to, to read the Word of God today, and we're going to be looking at 1 Peter, uh, the Apostle Peter, first letter, chapter 1, and we'll be reading from verse 13. <clears throat> Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves uh, with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for your sake, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, Love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you. Well, good morning, church. It's again a privilege to be here, and I just want to make a, a little announcement. Since I was not preaching last Sunday for obvious reasons, so this Sunday I put together two sermons. So, as you know, I always preach 15 minutes, and now it's going to take us a little bit the double of the time. So, we're going to start with a word of prayer. Amen. Heavenly Father, Open our hearts and minds to receive the wisdom from your word. May your spirit guide us as we explore the invitation to think hopefully, to have a correct view of our relationship with you, and to consider the loving cost of our salvation, and to love one another as you loved us. We pray these will be impressed, these things will be impressed in our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. 
Amen. For the past two Sundays, we have been encouraged by the letter of Peter to hold on to hope. Not just a flimsy or superficial hope. Remember 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, God, the Father, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter calls it a living hope because it is grounded in a true event in the past. And this true event in the past is the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. So by the context here, we understand that when Peter talks about living hope, he is talking about a place. He is talking a real country to belong to. And how do we know that he is talking about a place? Well, Peter is addressing this letter to a group of people who have been striped of their citizenship and land due to their faith. These individuals once were citizens of Rome, but have been banished to the remote areas of Cappadocia, Galatia, Asia, and Bithynia. They are now living as, a, as an exiles in a foreign, foreign land. So Peter aims to, to uplift their spirit and focus to, to their, and putting their attention on a place where they will be welcomed and treated as respect and treated with respect as first citizen, a first class citizen. And that's the living hope that he is aiming to give these, these believers in this new place. They will not be seen as outsiders. Peter reminds his reader that those who have been born again have received a new citizenship. And their passport, their passport is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you were to tell me that you are a citizen of Guatemala, I will ask you to show me your passport. As it is the proof of your citizenship. Similarly, because Christ has risen from the dead, we have become a new creation and will certainly receive a new glorified body like Jesus and a new country to live in forever. A living hope. And that is the message that Peter is trying to convey. This is the hope that is not only for the first readers of First Peter, but to all of us. And our passage for this morning continues on the same, on the same line. There, is, there are four encouraging invitations from God to all of us to continue our Christian journey as an exiles. First, in the verse 13, 
God lovingly encouraged us to think hopefully. To think hopefully. Notice how the verse starts. Therefore, pay attention. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Set your hope fully on the grace. This grace God is talking about here is the complete salvation that we are, going to we are going to receive from everything that is broken in this world. The complete restoration that we are going to receive when Jesus comes for a second time, including our, ourselves. Notice, notice everything that is broken in, in our world today. And notice the things that are broken in our bodies today. This is the grace that we are going to be receiving at Jesus' revelation. There will be grace. There will be gift that we are going to receive. There are going to be gift or grace instead of condemnation. We often seek something or someone to hope in. But we are now invited to put our hope, to place our hope in the truth of Jesus' coming to restore everything. The word set, that says, set your hope. The word set here means to connect just like when you search for the Wi-Fi signal to connect your cell phone. It's the same word that God is asking us. Set, connect your mind. Connect your hopes in the grace that is going to bring Jesus at his second coming. God invites us to fully connect and place our hope in the grace provided for us. Although we cannot see it, that doesn't mean that, does, that our hope does not exist. Could you see the Wi-Fi signal? But you know that it's there, right? That is the hope. That we have in the grace that will be revealed when Jesus comes for a second time. Often we put our hope on external things. Wealth. Maybe we put our hope in our education. Or in our social status. For example, a person with little money might hope to become rich one day. To win the lottery. Someone living in a war-torn country might hope to find a safer place to live. Maybe a single person hope to find a partner one day, while someone without children might hope to find the realization in having children. 
Hope can take many, many forms, depending on our various needs. However, Peter talks about a living hope, a real hope based on God's promises, based on God's character, and the certainty that if God raised Jesus from the dead, God will also restore all things when Jesus comes for a second time. So now the question is, how do we set our hope fully on the grace that will be brought to us? And there, in verse 13, there are two things that he is giving us. First, says, prepare your minds for action. And the second one is, being sober-minded. How do you set your hope fully on the grace? Well, prepare your minds for action. Prepare your minds for action means to gear up our minds for what is coming, as the original translation hints, like getting ready for a marathon. In ancient times, people wore these long robes instead of the modern work gear that we have today. To run or to do exercise, they would gather the robes between their legs and tuck them into their belts. Just as, as, as an athlete gear up before a race. So that's what Peter is telling us. Okay, get ready because you are going to start running. It's going to be difficult. You are going to be jumping because there are going to be obstacles. But get ready. And the second step that Peter is offering here in these verses is being sober-minded. Being sober-minded means avoiding any form of spiritual intoxication. Any form of spiritual intoxication that might cloud our judgment or confuse us about what is awaiting for us at the return of Jesus Christ. Just as drunkenness can affect every aspect of the human body and impair judgment, spiritual intoxication can do the same. So it is crucial to prepare our minds for action and as well to keep our minds sober. Our minds controls our actions. And being intoxicated either by anxiety, either by worldly pursuit, or either by our own passions, that can lead us down a dangerous path. Imagine sending a soldier with all the equipment ready for the battle, but they are intoxicated. It's, it's a recipe for disaster, right? Peter is telling him, okay, get ready, but don't drink. Don't intoxicate yourself with other things. He's telling us when we allow worry or anxiety to overshadow our face or lose sight of our eternal perspective due to worldly ambitions, we are not being sober-minded. Neglecting our spiritual disciplines like 
reading the Word of God, praying continually, coming together as one body on the Lord's day. That is allowing this intoxication of other things fill our minds. Reacting to trials and challenges and challenges with despair instead of trusting in God's sustaining grace is another example of not being sober-minded. When we let these intoxicated thoughts control us, it's like giving a drunk person the keys of your car and asking him to drive us home. You may never get there. So God here is inviting us to prepare our minds and to identify those things that take our eyes from our hope and to get rid of them. Because instead of helping us, are going to hinder our race. So the first thing that we have seen here that Peter is asking us and God is saying to all of us is, yes, think hopefully. But there is a second thing. Think about your relationship with God. Notice verse 14 says, As obedient children, do not conform to the passions of your former ignorance. And then in verse 17 says, And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear through the time of your exile. God encourages us to think about our relationship with him. We are his children and we obey him. And he is our father and he is the one who is going to judge everything that we do. Remember in verse 3, chapter 1, we read, We have been born again according to this great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. God has caused us to be born again. He is our Father, and we are now His children. And as children, we should aim to be like our Father who is in heaven. And that's what verse 16 says. It is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. What does it mean that God our Father is holy? Well, it means that he is entirely distinct from everything else. He alone is an uncreated being. He is unique and different from everything that exists. He is like no other. And therefore, when our Father asks us to be holy like Him, He is inviting us to separate us from anything that goes against Him. 
To be holy means to conform our minds, our way of thinking, and our behavior to God's character, even if the world does not accept it. And that's why exactly the world does not accept us. That's why the world rejects us. Because our standard is a holy God. And that is not the standard of the world. So Peter is making a contrast here. He's telling us, do not conform your mind to your passions, but conform your mind to God's holiness. The word conform that Peter uses means not let your mind to take the shape of every passion that comes your way, but let your mind to take the form of the holy character of God. When you put water from a jug into a glass, the water takes the shape of the glass. Well, if we conform our minds to our passions, that is what we'll, we'll become. That is the shape that we are going to take. But if we conform our minds to the holiness of God, that is the form that we are going to take. And that process is called Holification. No, that's a May word, right? Sanctification. Or becoming holy. The statement that Peter is using here, because it is written, be holy because I am holy, is taken from the time when Moses gave the law of God to the people of Israel in the Old Testament. God gave the Israelites his commandments, his statutes, and his laws so they will be distinct from other nations. He instructed them to be holy or different from the rest of the nations around them. And he began to teach them the meaning of being holy with the Ten Commandments. That is the basics, such as loving God with all your heart and with all your mind. This means not putting other things before God and not putting possessions, not putting money, not putting even ourselves in the place of God. They were also instructed to love their neighbors as they love themselves. So that's what Peter is reminding us here, that we are children of God, and therefore we should not follow the world's ways. Instead, we should conform our thoughts. We should take the shape of God's holiness, of God's character, which is holy. And some of the things in the Ten Commandments, do not use the name of God carelessly. Keep the Sabbath. Spend time with God. Do not bear false testimony or do not covet our neighbor's wife or our neighbor's possessions. 
Respect your parents. That is shaping our mind different than the world, right? Do not steal. Be faithful. That's completely different to what we see around us, don't you think? But everything begins with a correct view of who we are. Now we are children of God. And now we call him Father. And as a father, he is the one who is judging the actions or the things that we are doing. Even Jesus was telling us, right? Every word that comes out of your mouth is going, is going, you are going to be accountable. For every, imagine every word, actions, thoughts. He's inviting us here to conform our minds as children to our father's mind. So then, the first encouragement is to think hopefully. The second one is to think about our relationship with God. And third, think about the loving cost of your salvation. Verse 18 says, Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. God's love in our journey is a reminder of the ultimate sacrifice that was made so that we could have a living hope. Peter is again using an illustration of the Old Testament when the people of Israel were enslaved in the land of Egypt. To be free, they pay a lot of money, right? Gold and silver. Do you remember? No, they didn't pay money. They sacrificed a lamb without any blemish and put its blood on their doorposts. That's how they became free. This sacrifice gave the people of Israel freedom from the angel of destruction. The people of Israel did not pay silver or gold, but rather it was through the lamb. So God here is telling us the same. Do not take for granted what this beloved and only son did for us. This will help you to have a clear mind. Think about the cost of Jesus' sacrifice. Jesus' sacrifice was not, according to verse 20 and 21, this was not an afterthought that God had because we sinned. 
No, even before the creation, the Lamb of God was prepared for your sins. There was a lot of preparation, a lot of planning for our salvation. So think about that. But then, we have hope. Think hopefully. We have a new relationship. Think about that new relationship. We have freedom because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Think about that. But lastly, think of your brother with pure heart and genuine love. Notice what the verse 22 says. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again. Not of perishable seed but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. In this last part, God encouraged us to love one another deeply. He wants us to understand that this love should be pure and sincere because it comes from people that have been born again by the living word of God. So what is, what is he saying is, you are not the old you. You are a new you because you have been born again and therefore you can love in a different way that you used to love before. And not only that, as we grow in our, in our understanding of God's love for us through his word, we understand how much he loves us and how we can love our brothers. we come to the realization that our unity with our brothers and sisters is an everlasting relationship. Unlike the temporary relationship we have in this world, this eternal bone, bond and citizenship we have received make our love for all of our brothers and sisters more meaningful. I don't want to spend time with this brother of mine. Is there, he has or she has no solution. And Peter is telling her, think about that. Because maybe or for sure that brother or sister is going to be your neighbor forever. You don't want to spend five minutes dealing with your brother here. You are going to have an eternity with him. You have a relationship stronger than your own blood. A love from pure heart. Invest time on that. Invest effort on your brother and on your sister because it's a new relationship that is going to be forever. You have been united forever. 
that perspective changed change the game, eh? And because he's forever, that's what the last verses tells us. All flesh is grass. And all its glory like the flowers of grass. Everything in this world will pass. Think about it. Rome's glory already passed. The church that was worried because they didn't have a citizenship on Roman's empire, they shouldn't have been worried because the Roman empire is not anymore in existence. The grass will fade. But the promises of God for a new place still there. People to whom Peter wrote this letter have been exiled. They were outcasts with no citizenship, without a piece of land or possession, but they were promised an eternal kingdom. And even though things around us as well may change and big empires like Rome might disappear, God's word will remain like a promise that never fails. We might be living in times when everything around us feels uncertain. Like, like we do not have a place to call home. Like nothing in this world satisfies you. And even though this world might seem shaky, our hope is strong because God's word will never pass. God's promises will never pass. You are secure. So then the invitation is okay. Let's take care of each other. Let's take care of our brother and our sisters. Instead of thinking only about ourselves or about our security or about safety, let's remember that we belong to a kingdom that will last forever. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we conclude this time together, we give you thanks for your word. Thank you for these beautiful encouragement that we received today. We pray that you will help us to embrace this living hope and to conform ourselves to your holiness. Help us to keep in mind the sacrifice that you made for us. And help us, Lord, to live with our brothers and sisters thinking about the eternity, about this unperishable kingdom that we have been promised. In Jesus' name.
pray. Amen. And now again,